following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, welcome once again to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made, midpoint almost of this two-city road trip as the Twins wrap up a three-game series here in Chicago. It was raining downtown early, expect to have no problems as the game progresses from the south side of Chicago. Rocco Baldelli is our guest from inside the uh, manager's headquarters here at Guaranteed Raid Field. And last night was one of those nights, Rocco, and over 162 games. You certainly stumble into ones that uh, veer to the extreme one way or the other. When that happens, at what point do you start thinking, okay, get guys off their feet? Last night it was the fifth inning. What goes into your decision-making there? Well, last night, um, not not quite the game we're looking for, but as you said, those things do happen. We do run into pitchers like that, throwing the ball like that. Um, it uh, didn't appear like it was going to be our night. And with uh, with a lot of games coming up in September, probably made the decision to get a couple of these guys out of the game earlier than normal. Normally we wouldn't be doing some talking about something like that, doing something like that in the fourth or fifth inning. But uh, you know, knowing that we're going to want to play a, a Carlos Correa virtually every day, if possible, going forward, you know, if we can get him off of his feet in a game that's going that way, then we're going to do it. So they come out in the fifth, in the eighth, after it's still seven nothing, and you decide let's go with Nick Gordon on the mound. Now, for the same reasons you just mentioned, you've got a lot of games coming up, but you do have 14 guys out there. You haven't seen a guy like an Austin Davis throw yet. Were you wobbling between? Uh, going with a pitcher, going with a position guy, and did what Cease was doing have any part of your decision at all? I'm guessing no, but it's certainly your your decision to make. Well, it's it's obviously uh, you know their pitchers obviously throwing a good game, but uh, my goal is to take care of our team and look after our guys, and um, knowing that uh, Sanchez, um, you know, obviously could be a factor for us going forward in, in different roles. You know, forcing him one to go out there and throw you know, potentially 90 or 100 pitches in a game where he probably didn't have to um, was something that I wanted to avoid. And then you also don't know when you bring another guy in out of the pen, you you anticipate it going well. But the other thing is uh, we don't want someone else to be down today if we bring him into the game last night. So uh, ultimately went with uh, with Nick and Nick's actually done a pretty good job going out there throwing strikes for us for the most part yesterday he was might have been a little uh, amped up or didn't have the release point the way he normally does but he normally does a fine job out there you ever imagine that you would have to bring a glove out to make a position on position pitching change you know these are things that over time you kind of pick up on and, and learn that you got to kind of be ready for some of these little details and um, Nick's uh, uh, pitching glove apparently and his glove uh, that he uses in the field are two different gloves Uh, one is not allowed and one is uh, on the mound so all that said Palacios didn't know that he was being put in the game till I till I told him I don't think he was uh, as prepared for that but I think he was fine and he's a guy that can throw the ball straight when he wants to yeah he got the strikeout uh, to end the inning now you were in that position because unfortunately for Tyler Malley his return did not go according to plan at what point did you notice that maybe something was off, and was he feeling something? Did he say anything about about the shoulder? 
Well, he's a man of few words, so it's not like he was going to go out of his way to, uh, to, to tell us. We kind of had to use our eyes for the most part. Um, the first inning, I think, looked as anticipated, something in the version stuff-wise. We didn't get the results we wanted, obviously, but uh, the ball seemed like it came out of his hand okay, and, and he didn't look like he was a guy that was struggling uh, health-wise. The second inning looked a little bit different. It, it resembled his uh, last outing a little bit more. We kind of looked around. You know, We all were talking, of course, in the dugout while we were watching that, and uh, we, we couldn't let him go out there and continue to pitch. Uh, in that form. So he goes back onto the injured list and obviously into New York you'll have some discussions to make in terms of your rotation. Sanchez uh, probably figures prominently in that and in terms of his performance yesterday he gave you everything you probably could have wanted and then so. Aaron Sanchez has done a really nice job for us. Um, wherever we put him we start him we bring him out of the pen uh, he pitches he, he went out there and uh, you're looking for someone to pick up the rest of the game for you when things aren't going the way that you want. You're looking for someone to just fill up the innings. Get you know, one yes, if you if you can stay in the game, you want to win the ball game. But uh, if you only have to use one other pitcher in that game, it's uh, it's a silver lining, but it's something that you'll take all day long. With Malley going to the IL, Giovanni Moran comes back. Uh, so at least you had, uh, I guess, if you're looking for another silver lining, a guy who was literally here in the city so you don't have to worry about trying to get someone in yeah when you know we've done this with a couple of guys now where we we make a move um and then we find out less than a day later that uh they're coming right back and um i think players learn this over time uh, us staff members and and us who follow the game we realize these things do happen and you get these emotional swings you get guys you know they're getting sent down and then you know, un, you know, surprisingly, they, they find out, you know, soon after they're coming back. So uh, that was another one of these. Uh, we actually did that with Miranda earlier in the year when we sent him down and then he was he was right back immediately. And I think what it tells you about the game is you, you never really know what's going to happen. You just got to stay ready for your opportunities. I'm not mistaken. That was right when Miranda went down on paper, never actually left, and then hit about 400 over the course of the next couple of weeks. Right. That's exactly what happened. And uh, if you know, we we connect some dots here. Maybe uh, Miranda doesn't give up a run for the rest of the season. He's been pitching pretty good already. But uh, uh, you never know with these returns what might happen. Speaking of returns, and you're the manager, you're not the team doctor. You've got a massive medical team that worries about that stuff. But Malley now, third guy this year who's come back from an injury and then had to go right back with the essentially the same injury right away with Kirilov with Sano and and now with Tyler Malley is that something that you can't even think about because you can only play the guys that you have at your disposal or is that an off-season discussion yeah you know what I think our medical staff does a, a really nice job of of doing a lot of things but you know collecting uh all of these thoughts setting up plans getting guys back um you know, the, the human body does not always cooperate, and uh, you can do everything right. You can have a plan. You can execute the plan. Uh, and sometimes when you're asking guys to come out here and, and play this game at a high level, um, you know, the, the, the body looks back and says, no, it's not going to work out this time. So, um, you know, all we can do is what we think is right. All we can do is have a good plan. Uh, obviously disappointing to see Tyler Malley going back on the IL right here. I mean, that's not something that uh, you want to see. But... He's a, he's a t pretty tough guy. Um, it, you know, I know if, if he could be pitching right now, he would be pitching, but it's just not the right time. Closing the door on last night, and then we'll start to kind of change gears and look ahead a little bit. Uh, No-hitters are always exciting. Now, you don't want to be on the other end of one, but to have the last guy in your way be the guy leading the league in hitting, 
where you know it's going to be a tooth and nail at bat. You couldn't ask for, in a 13 nothing game, a more dramatic way to finish that one. No, and, uh, you know, we wanted to keep Louie in the game, and, he, you know, he's, uh, he was DHing, and then we moved him to, to second base for an inning. But, um, you know, knowing the kind of hitter that he is, you know, giving ourselves an opportunity uh, to, you know, not get no hit. We don't want to get no hit. You know, we, we, we don't, we don't want to uh, uh, lose. I mean, winning the game, really, ultimately, all that matters. But truthfully, on the side, we also do not want to get no hit. And uh, we were pretty excited, and I think the guys were pretty excited with, uh, with Louie going out there and having a good at bat. And uh, he's going to give you the best chance of anyone, maybe in baseball, of going out there and, and lining a single somewhere. Uh, and he got a good pitch to hit against the guy that was throwing the ball pretty marvelously. Um, and he went out there and did it. So we'll take that. On that note, have you ever been that guy that's tried to break up the no-hitter late or been one of the hitters as a guy is closing in on one? And on the flip side, have you ever been out in the outfield playing behind a guy as he tries to close one out? And, and what's that like mentally? I wish I had a great response to that. The answer is no. I actually haven't been too deep in, in games on, on either side of that. Um, my team has actually been no-hit before, but I actually wasn't present for the game due to something. I think it was in, an injury, uh, of course. But... Um, uh, all that said, um, I do think that there is that, uh, that, that, that tension and that uh, excitement and all these different things that are flying around towards the, the second half, the latter end of these games. And you know what? It's, uh, it's fun. It's way more fun, I'm guessing, when you're on the other side. But it's at least you know, that deep emotion that, uh, that this game has you know, when things like this are going on. That's Rocco Baldelli. The show is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. We're back with more in a moment on your home for Twins baseball. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made. Twins are in Chicago. It's been an interesting couple of days. You had a little kerfluffle on the mound in game one, a near no-hitter in game two. Twins seeking a win here in game three with Dylan Bundy on the mound against Lucas Giolito. We talked yesterday about Dylan Cease and what he had done to change, to become a truly elite pitcher in the American League. You're going to see a guy in Giolito today who struggled, changed some things, was very um, specific in how he went about it, became an elite pitcher, and now he's struggling again. Now, part of that is that this is just a really hard game. But do you see anything specifically in what he's doing now that has changed from his All-Star seasons? Well, you know, going back a little bit further, I think I think the point about him making the adjustment, and we've seen we've seen a lot of guys be able to do this in this game. Uh, I think more recently, uh, maybe over the last five years, maybe over the last ten years, um, guys willing to make major adjustments to what they're doing. And I, I saw Lucas Giolito, another one of these guys. I've seen him all the way back into his high school days, and I've saw him pitch as a as a you know a senior and a good-looking young kid and and all that. Um, but uh, he had the long, long arm stroke in the back, and it was this kind of longer delivery, much more difficult to sync up, and uh, had good stuff. Um, and then uh, he just decided that, you know, got together with whoever his pitching guy was. Might, I think it might even be his, his current pitching coach, you know, got, got with him, uh, and shortened it up to the point where he, he literally just keeps his arm balled up and almost tucked into his armpit, um, and that, that very tight, kind of thing is also the same thing I think that they've done with uh, Dylan Cease in, in some ways too and um, it's been a pretty good adjustment for other guys in the league as well and uh, it's it's taken guys careers 
from one place and just brought them to a completely different place. Now, it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time in the bullpen, takes a lot of comfort, takes a lot of work in the training room. All these different things matter. But uh, I think that was probably a turning point and, uh, and, you know, in general for a lot of people in the game and, and for Lucas Giolito. What he's going through now, it's pro- I, I, it seems like just the sort of struggles that uh, other people uh, in the game have all the time. Um, it's hard to be one of the one of the best in the game, uh, you know, for a long stretch. But um, I'm sure he's going to probably straighten himself out. Hopefully not today, and hopefully uh, uh, another time. But um, a guy that's done a pretty good job for the White Sox. Right, you've given us an, an off ramp, so I'm going to take it. Uh, talking about watching Giolito in high school, and Ethan Katz was his pitching coach, I think, at Harvard Westlake. Uh, Max Fried was on that team. Jack Flaherty was on that team. Going back to your scouting days and, and watching those guys as young men. You often will remember that, uh, even now years later. Did you see any of those three being what they are now? Did, did they all kind of turn out the way you thought? Were there surprises amongst those guys? A lot of people thought Flaherty was a pitching co- uh, was a uh, excuse me a position player and not and not a pitcher. Um, Lucas Giolito was like one of the top arms in the country, and, and Max Fried one of the top arms uh, that you'll see. And they they did all the events and they bounced around and. And did all those things, and and it's funny. You, you don't know where all these guys are gonna, where they're gonna pop from, where they're gonna you know show up from. We we get Joe Ryan. You know he's coming from uh, one place a little bit more uh, unheralded. Uh, you know Sonny Gray coming from Vanderbilt and and uh, showing up. And you know he was a first round pick and a guy that was obviously very highly uh, touted and and things like that. And you know what? Then you look and see all the international players that you have, and they they come from. Uh, all over the world and, and, you know, come from some beginnings, you know, guys signed for a couple thousand dollars and are just given an opportunity. Uh, other guys, you know, are, are given some money. But you, you honestly don't know, especially on the pitching side, just where these guys come from because the beginnings of all of these players are so vastly different. Grade yourself as a scout. Would you consider yourself a good scout? Did you feel like you were a guy who could pick up on little things and and say, I, I like this, I like that, and then watch how they developed, obviously out of your hands and uh, and tend to be pretty spot on? I don't think any uh, scout that um, is a true good self-evaluator, which is kind of, I guess, what you're looking for, um, would honestly be able to look in the mirror and say they have anything really figured out. Uh, you're wrong often. Um, you have to be able to look in the mirror and, uh, it, it is a challenging thing to put your name on something and write it down and give your opinion uh, and turn it in. Um, it's it's easy to have an, you know just some sort of opinion and kind of spout off. It's a different thing to actually put it in a report and have to stand by it and you know move forward with it over time uh, when you turn it into your organization. So I, I, I had a lot to learn. I actually loved. Uh, scouting. I actually spent, you know, probably more days on the road over the last 10 years scouting than probably anything else in in this game. Um, but it taught me a lot as well. It made you look at the game very much differently than than I ever looked at it before. And I had a lot of good veteran scouts that spent a lot of time with me and just talked the game. You just talk the game and you pay attention and you look for things that you never thought you'd ever be looking at before on a baseball field. And you learn more about the game because of it. It sounds like great preparation for the job you currently have because your name's on everything now. You, you, nothing is just an opinion. Anything that happens with the club, whether it came directly from you or not, now has your name on. Yeah, you got to you got to kind of uh, uh, learn how to you know stand up straight and um, 
you know, do what you think is best and, uh, you know, kind of live with your decisions really more than anything else. So uh, I feel fine with that. But but I would say, you know, going out and scouting, probably one of the best things you can do in this game to give yourself a background to do something else. Um, but it's uh, it's something that you have to be passionate about. It's something you have to really like being at the baseball field because you're basically going to be living there uh, if you're going to go and be a good scout. You know, you stay from uh, the beginning of uh, early work to the uh, to the last out of the game, and then then you walk out and you do it all over again. But nothing's going to teach you more about the game than sitting there and scrutinizing the players and watching every movement and every interaction that they have. That's Rocco Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli scouting Rocco Baldelli. This is Inside Twins. One final segment as we look at today's matchup next on your home for Twins baseball. Final segment here on Inside Twins, brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made. Gary Sanchez catching again today. He's been catching a lot lately. We haven't seen a lot of Sandy Leone, and who knows, maybe he'll be catching in his New York homecoming tomorrow as well. Uh, but uh, what's going on behind the plate? Um, Gary has been catching a lot, and uh, Sandy, who has been doing a great job for us when he's been behind the plate, is dealing with some, uh, some knee soreness right now. Um, it's something that uh, we're working through. We're not exactly sure when he's going to be back out there on the field. Um, but uh, in the meantime, Gary's going to pick up the, uh, the slack and probably catch a little bit more. Um, he's going to obviously not be able to catch every day in this stretch, but uh, he's going to probably catch most days. He'll be catching Dylan Bundy today, and Bundy is a guy who uh, is very clinical in, in his work. He, he, he doesn't throw a lot of pitches over the white part of the plate. Uh, you'd seen him before from the other side. Has managing Dylan Bundy and watching him up close and personal, have you seen about what you expected, or have there been some differences or things you didn't realize about him? Well, Dylan, I saw Dylan pitch a lot early in his career, and he came up like another highly touted young pitcher and came up and, uh, you know, he was more of a, uh, you know, an explosive fastball, breaking ball kind of combo um, kind of guy. As time has gone on, he's turned more into, like you say, a clinical guy, who can really locate the ball well, who, who developed a really good split-fingered pitch um, to use. And it might be his best pitch right now. And uh, not a pitch, you know, for all you young guys, like, you know, out there learning pitches, like pitchers can make adjustments. And all you got to do is, you know, put in the work and take chances and uh, give yourself an opportunity to pick something up. And that's what Dylan Bundy did uh, at some point along the way. So, um, he's a guy that, yes, he has changed a lot. He's a completely different kind of pitcher than he was the first, second, third year that he had in the big leagues. But a guy that's still proven that he can uh, continue to, to find ways to get outs. And that's what he's done for us. He's competed very well, and he's a guy that's going to give you a chance. He's going to throw strikes, uh, and he's going to force the action. And this is a White Sox offense that has been very assertive lately. They'll swing early. They'll swing often. They don't walk. Put the ball in play a lot. Uh, lately, the power is starting to surge. But is he the type of pitcher with his baseball acumen and his arsenal that can take advantage of an aggressive offense early in counts? Well, that's what you're kind of looking for. That That's what you want a guy like Dylan to be able to do. It's what he does well. Um, you know, the, the threat of the fastball, the thought that the fastball is always going to be there, 
it's usually in every guy's head at the plate in one way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, we hear a lot and see a lot, you know, a guy was sitting on a certain pitch and doing certain things. But the, the fastball is still a pitch that, have, you know, almost every hitter still wants to hit if they get the opportunity to do it. Um, the, the goal is just not to give them the good fastball that they want. And, uh, you know, it's still the cat and mouse that you see in this game all the time. And, and Dylan Bundy probably plays that cat and mouse game as much as anyone. Yeah, there's no first pitch fastballs to Altuve, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Dylan uh, probably thought thought twice thought twice before the game and probably thought twice after the game about that. But uh, he's a guy that learns from uh, from any mistakes. Yeah, and then he started carving with his breaking ball after that first pitch fastball in Houston. You mentioned the heads. Mentally, this locker room is pretty even keeled most of the time. Been a couple of goofy games here in Chicago. Where is your club in terms of the mental space right now? I think our club is uh, in the exact same spot that we've been in the whole year. I don't think anything has changed one bit. Um, they have been a couple of, of games that uh, they're probably forgettable games, but um, you know, the first game actually played a pretty decent ball game and went out there and, and played a game that uh, we very easily could have won. We've won that game many times over this year and, and obviously didn't pull it out yesterday. I'm ready to squash yesterday. I'm, I'm, if I never think about yesterday's game again, I'm going to be perfectly fine. But you know what's, uh, what's funny? Even if the first two games don't go well, you come out the third game, you win a ball game, you get on the plane, you get to New York, and everything feels good. All right, well, here's to a victorious game and a happy flight to the Big Apple. That's Rocco Baldelli. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. That'll do it for Inside Twins. We'll pass the baton forward to the pregame lineup card. Baseball from the Windy City, coming up all day long, right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.